Welcome to the third episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the St. George the Martyr of Kales River community. I'm joined as always by the venerable Archdeacon Rodney Whitman, the rector of the parish. Rodney, how are you doing on this, on this, the first day of lockdown? Well, the first day of lockdown happens to be my off day during the week. So in essence, I'm used to lockdown, specifically in the morning until my wife thinks it's best to go in shopping. So <laughs> I think the idea of lockdown uh, is still not, is still not sort of gone, gone into me. But it's interesting reading that uh, um, some reports that last night uh, arrests had to be made in Gauteng because people have just disobeyed it. Um, so it's very interesting to uh, try and parallel that with one's own experiences of what a sense of lockdown means. I just think it's it's important um, that we, I find myself a little bit more grounded uh, in the fact that, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be running away from who you are and you can't be running away from the people that you live with. And you can't be running away from the truth of what is going on. Yeah, and yeah. we've reported our first two fatalities now, um, both in the Western. Yeah, um, I just I just got that news. Yeah, and and uh, I think that um, I'm still in shock about it because I thought we were doing relatively well uh, given the rest of the world, but yeah, it, it came as as a, so a shock to to me as well this morning. May yeah, their but, souls uh, indeed rest in peace. Yeah, definitely. And in glory. Yeah, absolutely. You're getting the message, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I've been an Anglican for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just, just to, to reiterate that, I mean, we, we are in lockdown now. We are doing the best that we can to, to stop the spread of this this devastating pandemic, um, thoughts and prayers, obviously, with the, the families of the affected. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, just that's the best thing we can do right now is the one thing we all say we want to do, which is just kind of sit at home and be with our family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, so going into, this is obviously the Sunday episode in, like, we, we cannot gather together as a community right now, physically. So spiritually, we can still all dine at the same table and father rodney if you just would like to call everybody together in their homes um over to you uh, good morning to you all i hope that you are listening to the directives from the president as well as from our bishops um i know that you are a uh, a caring community and that you are thinking of others particularly those whom you sit next to in church and um, though we can't see your faces nor you ours but hopefully the familiarity of our voices will breathe some kind of assurance into your heart and that you listening breathe assurance into my heart so i hope that even that we're doing church in this way you will have a sense of God's powerful presence with you in your home and God's powerful presence moving through uh, our nation, continent and the rest of the world, even when uh, there are so many deaths as a result of COVID-19. 
So I hope that you will, um, when the liturgy is up to, up, uh, uploaded onto the website, you will go through it with your families and use the podcast alongside um, uh, in terms of the reflection that Lindsay and I are going to be having on some of the texts today. And I sincerely hope God bless you richly through this time. Yeah, and uh, just just the, the call together of gathering, it's, uh, if you want to take us through that. Yeah, so the Lord whose presence is powerful, is with you, and I can hear you, 730, saying, and also with you. And so also with warms my heart. Um, I, I, I think especially because the first weekend will always be the hardest for everybody uh just to to go through like the initial the collect just the collective prayer for for everybody to come together and say the same words at the same time uh so if, if you would join me if you would join me saying second god yeah god, god of, of all, all consolation and hope, and hope you breathe you life into dry bones and weary souls. Pour out your spirit upon us that we may face desperation in the hope, despair in the hope of our of resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Sorry, Lindsay, you sound to be breaking up there a little bit. Ah, my my apologies. Yeah, we are. These are the, the challenges that that we face now because we can't be face to face, so it's all on digital. And okay, people starting their own personal projects at home, there might be a grinder in the background. I apologize for that. Okay, okay. <laughs> might be screaming okay. later, but I assure you, it screams of joy and not terror. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So, Father, the the readings. All three of them actually have a common thread. And especially the, the first reading from Ezekiel, it's about finding God and surrendering yourself to him and then allowing him to lead um, you where, where he may. And I think the, the, the poignant line here that we have highlighted is, he said to me, mortal man, can these bones come back to life? And I replied, Sovereign Lord, only you can answer that. And to me, that speaks to kind of the, the similar temptations that, that the devil gave Jesus. Um, and and there's, there's a message of, of a God that doesn't want to be tested, maybe. Can, can you give any clarity on that, Father? Okay, I couldn't hear you quite clearly. Um, so if my response doesn't sound like it should be, just correct me. Yeah, I think one no of the things that, um, that 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 is good about that text is the conversation. So for so, me, so the conversation is very important. That God calls God calls all who would hear to 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 um, to look at the problem together. God seems yeah. to have this collaborative style. Um, and seeks to address the problem, not just all by his lonesome self, but seeks yeah. to draw us into dealing with the issue. And um, and so 
I, I like the statement that God says to the prophet, mortal man. Now, mm. in our current mm. situation, if you if you talk, if you think about people who hold titles like prophets and bishops and all of that, the assumption would be that by virtue of your position, you have power to deal with the situation. But God says, mortal man, you yourself can also die. Yeah. How would you yeah. help me deal with this problem of bones that are lifeless and dead? Uh, what, what is your response to this mortal man, man of flesh and bone and man whose body will also decay in death? How can a mortal man look at dry bones and see the possibility of life? And so it is true. We have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, we don't know the answer to that question. Only you have the answer. So it's it's coming to realize that we are powerless and mortal men don't like to deal with powerlessness. Um, uh, I mean, listening to the American story, how Mr. Trump decides that Easter will be the day when all of us will be able to go back to work as if he has the control. And I, I heard the, the doctor saying, the specialist doctor saying, the virus is in control of the calendar. But this yeah. text is going yeah. beyond that. This text is saying, no, sovereign Lord, only you know the time. Only you have the answer. So that text is, I think, speaking very clearly. In other words, God, only you have the answer to life, not just life that could continue living on earth, existing on earth, but you have the answer to life in all its wholesomeness and its fullness, which in my view and faith is life eternal as well. I don't know if that answered you, what you, what you asked. Yeah, we we had a bit of a miscommunication there, but I, I think I think it, it does speak to a lot of that because then it leads directly into the Romans um, chapter eight verse six to eleven, where uh, the highlighted text here is to be controlled by human nature results in death, to con to be con to be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. So it's still echoing that symbiotic yes. relationship between. Uh, the spirit and and the mortal man. Yes, uh, absolutely, it does echo that. But it's very interesting. Um, the battle I know you have is trust in the, the the humanity and in the in the in the gift of what humanity can come up with. But yes. what is human nature that will result in death? Now, I'm certain from my understanding of of being in conversation with you. You're not talking about human nature that um, would, would seek to do things that destroy and, 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 and break down. But you're looking at human nature doing something that is good and positive and wholesome. Yes. And, and so now, now, does human nature only do that by virtue of its own uh, essence? Or is there an essence in which it collaborates with? Because when you think of human nature, and maybe this text is saying, go back to the time when we read that story of creation, when God breathes life into a piece of clay model to be a human being. 
And that breathing of life, that breathing of ruach, which is the the Hebrew word, the spirit yeah. of God yeah. within humanity. So in other words, are we listening to that very spirit within humanity, which is God's spirit that will help us work towards life and peace? Of course, we know that sin broke down all of these things. So that mm -hmm. um, um, separation within us, where we lean to our humanity over against listening to the spirit that gives life within us, we as human beings then end up doing things that are death. Because in us, there's such a brokenness, a disparity between the, the, the essence of the spirit and its collaboration with the human, the humanity within us. So I think in that in that regard, if we take seriously what God breathed into us, was to give life, and therefore our purpose was to be those who work towards life and peace. Sin mm. broke that down within us, and that resulted into death. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yes, it does. So I am painfully aware that like the only common human traits are jealousy and laziness. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> and everything else. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that you kind of shape your own identity and your own reality. And that comes through recognizing that the relationships you build with other people are as important to your survival as anything else. Like, I mean, a baby comes into the world unable to fend for itself and you rely on your family to grow you into the human that you are and then just taking that forward and paying that human kindness forward and fighting against those two common traits that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think I think it's it's also um, you, the, the, the information you get helps to form you in order for you to be able to understand a bit about your own identity in relation to others, in relation yeah. Yeah. to God, in relation to creation. But then uh, when we get into the point of where we are able to, to make mental choices and act on that physically and, and otherwise, um, uh, the whole area of choice is where we have have we have we learned the importance of proper information that could help us uh, help us shape the way we think that will in fact bring life and peace? So that uh, crucial stage, which comes up very early in our lives as teenagers, mm. we are into the area of choice, but choice based on information that it, that is credible and life giving which if we receive it can help shape us in our thinking, in our being, and in our doing. Yeah, and I think um, this was Paul's letter to the Romans. So I think Paul does iterate that by saying, but you do not love as your human nature tells you to. Instead, you love as the spirit tells you to. Yeah. 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 So in other words, this is, this is writing to a church in the diaspora. So they were not connected to the main body of the church. And so yeah. Paul reminds them in a context foreign to them 
who they are and what they have to adhere to. So as the church, you are, I think he mentions it here, if Christ lives in you. So a person who is, and we spoke about this the other day, disciple of Jesus, um, is one in whom Christ lives, then adherence to the Spirit becomes easier as we continue to acknowledge the presence of Christ within us. In other words, if we take this to another part of Paul's writing in Corinthians, uh, second, cha- second, chap- second um, letter to the Corinthians, which we use right at the beginning of the Lenten process, anyone who is in Christ becomes a new creation. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. And so Paul, I think, writing with that mindset, encourages them not to now, in the new context, give that up. Not to allow a new mindset and a new and a foreign spirit to take over their lives, which will result in death. Yeah. I mean, this was, as you said earlier, this was a time of persecution for, for, for Christians. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, what w- without physical weapons to to manage that kind of thing, what what would they need to be empowered with? In other, in other words, the spirit who lives within your human body is probably far more enduring than your body. Hmm. You cannot kill the spirit that's within you. You cannot kill the Christ that lives within you, but you can kill the body. Yes, you can. Yeah, just so. I that, yeah, that's that's the revealing part of it. And so, um, so, so, so Paul is saying, in other words, look inside you. Look inside you. What did you receive? And that will sustain you and grow you and 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 help you when you confronted with all of these uh, challenges of destruction. Yeah, it was. I mean, when we when we baptized my daughter, we we decided to do it at the service of light on Easter morning uh, because it's it's that that symbolism, especially around this time, where it's 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 kind of the dawn of, of Christianity. Like I, I always believe that Easter should be celebrated maybe a bit more earnestly than, than Christmas um, in, in some cases. <laughs> Where, yeah, but the, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's, it's that commitment when you baptize your child as a Christian to then it's, it's the parent's responsibility to nurture that spirit until the child can then confirm that commitment for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, in, in our context as Anglicans, uh, Easter is called the Queen of Festivals. Yeah. Um, but you would not have resurrection without incarnation, mm. uh, which is celebrated at Christmas time. So, yeah. so, so it's it's that journey from Christmas to Easter through Pentecost, so that the, our, our cycles within the church, our liturgical calendar is, is, is a, a, an important part of journeying with Christ even more deeply into Christ because who would, of us would have known that at the incarnation in the little baby, 
Mm. The resurrection would be as powerful as it was. He who comes to envelop our lives at the incarnation, he takes all of that to the cross so that in the resurrection we become a new being in him. So we receive that beautiful symbol, as simplistic as it is, the candle. Yeah. And we are, and the child through the godparents and parents are reminded that Christ is the light shining within you. The very Christ who enveloped your humanity in its brokenness and sin now is the Christ of light and life within you at the resurrection. Mm. So light is our cause. And um, it goes back to, for me, to that question that the psalmist struggled with. What is the purpose of light in my life? And yep. then he looked at what was light and he said, it's the scriptures that was my light. And he said, your word is a lamp, a light to my feet uh, 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 and, and a lamp to my path. I think I hope I got it correctly. Um, so in, in other words, I need to see where I'm walking and I know and I need to know where I'm walking to. And your word helps me to do that. So, again, it's about life and journey. And what formation we need through the information the scriptures give us. So, yeah. so yes, yeah. yes. Um, uh, the, the, I, I. In fact, let me let me tell you this, um, so that I don't. I'm again, hopefully, not going off a tangent. But when I, when I read up sometime in 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 terms of Easter preaching, one of yeah. the stories I read was how in France there's a depiction of um, the the crucif of the of the crucifixion and the and the tomb, and then there's pathways leading up to where the tomb was empty. And um, the, the author who wrote this observed something very interesting. A whole lot of footprints were made towards the towards the, the cross, the depiction of Calvary. Very, yeah. few, very much more fewer footsteps were made towards the empty tomb, which is the sign of the resurrection. Why is that so? Why does Calvary get more observers? than the empty tomb at Easter. That's a very interesting question that I've never actually considered before. So in other words, going back to the words that, that, that God said to Ezekiel, mortal man, can these bones really live? You're looking at them lying in the grave. Can they live? Well, only if we walk towards the resurrection. Mm. And I think I think that um, that it, I, I would really like to sit with the congregation without me preaching and just say to them, is Easter more important than Good Friday to you? Although they connected, did God stop at Calvary? Is there a full stop after Calvary? No, the, the tomb was empty. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so when we look at at, at again at Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus. That's how the story is depicted. They thought that that was the end and they walked away. They wanted to and begin a new, 
new chapter somewhere else. And it was interesting that in in the gospel, uh, John 11, that Mary, the other Mary, and I've always found it weird that she's referred Mary to that Mary. way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the other Mary. The other um, Mary. She, she was the one who anointed Jesus, and she was then obviously Lazarus's sister, as the, the gospel says. And then wasn't she the one who also approached the tomb first? Yeah, with the with with uh, the, the, that's the that's the problem. There there is an assumption around which Mary was actually actually which, but it would seem as if she's the Mary that had the the seven demons in her. She was the Mary that had the prostitution problem, and she was yeah. the one who yeah. came to the tomb to find where her rab, uh, where where her teacher was. Yeah, there, there's an yeah. assumption based yeah. into that. Um, so he, I think, in a way, the as they say, the jury is still out on that one, but we can assumedly say that it was, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> then it's always it's also poignant that that John, who was the more pragmatic of of the of the gospel authors, uh, I I feel that he had quite a, a grounded relationship with 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 Jesus, and mm-hmm. it comes from his writing that he is the one to say that. Then, geez, and I know, like this is <laughs> this is pretty hairy stuff for a lot of people, but um, that Jesus loved Mary and Martha, and then was called to go back yeah. to where they were actually being persecuted to go and assist with their brother when he got word of yeah. that. Yeah, um, I, I think I think one of the things about John's writing was that he wrote much later than the other three uh, gospelers. So yeah. you so you find that um, the gathering the stories of of these things he had uh, a little bit more time, but his focus um, uh, around around Jesus um, was much more um, sacramental. And, mm. uh, and and liturgical, if one could put it that way. Now, one of the things that perhaps we're afraid to say is that Jesus could have had a special relationship with people. Yes. Because when we, in our minds, our worldly minds think of that, we assume that then they are more favored than others. But when we when we read into in when we read this text, we 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 have to value that Jesus, in other words, God has the divine ability to get right close to you and have personal love for you um, that that He had with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Yeah. And so yeah. and so, but were they more special than others? Because if it is John the Beloved that wrote this book, this 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 gospel, then and he's the one that Jesus um, that was close to Jesus' breath at breast at the table, then Jesus is shown to have a very special and intimate relationship with John. So does that tell us then Jesus also seeks special, intimate, personal relationship with us? So that we can feel um, his love 
oozing from his the heartbeat from his heartbeat um and that no one is more favored than others because he loves us all equally which is what this gospel tells us god so loved the world that he gave his son jesus so mm. that all should come to believe in him and none should perish so whilst he's writing special love he also shares that that's exactly the kind of love he wants to have with all of us yeah wow but yeah just going back to the gospel do you want to take us just for the people at home just read through the the text that you have highlighted here and then we can discuss afterward the afterwards. text that- the, the the part of the text and i hope you read the whole of john 11 to capture the whole essence of the story is from verse 5 and 6 accordingly though jesus loved martha and mary martha and his sister and and her sister and lazarus after having heard lazarus was, was ill he stayed two days longer in the place where he was now why would i highlight those words as something to have a conversation about and to learn from um mm. even though there there is a um an understanding that he had the special relationship with the, the, that family of siblings um he, he does not rush back to the sick bed of lazarus what is the purpose of the delay would would special love for somebody not then make us leave everything at that particular stage and then rush to the bedside of the person that we love to be present to them and to comfort them and to be of any kind of help to them so in other words that question says to me who is jesus yeah he's able to delay this which is what the gospels are asking who is jesus that is able to make those kind of de- decisions and inspire that kind of message you read about him he is more than therefore we think he is and as the story unfolds the purpose is not that he would stop death from happening but he was going to defeat death from ever having power over us again mm and so he has to meet the very verb a very um uh, I, i thought very forthright sister martha the older sister who took him to task for not being there yes you know i always read that and we so afraid you know this we've got this um, artificial respect around jesus when we read the gospels as if people were not able to confront him and martha mm. does martha says lord you you know you should have been here and if you if you were here i understand your presence had the power to stop death from happening so in other words when he is not present in our understanding does death then take over is god on another planet right now busy there so that earth is going through the struggle of coronavirus all by itself is he delayed <laughs> does he does he not love us enough to stop this from happening 
we have so many people trying to decide what is the real answer yeah yeah so why does god delay why did jesus delay and so there's something more incredible we have to learn Arthur, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? So in other words, Martha, when you say yes to that question, I'm going to teach you how then to look at death. Mm. Can you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Because ultimately, that is the point that we all come to when we think of our own deaths. Well, what will be the most important thing to know? when we are busy dying. That someone cares for us. Yeah. But not just for that moment, but through the journey of darkness we may enter into that we know mm. nothing about. And basically, I I cherish um, uh, the way that this was depicted in a, in an, um, in a, when things were going wrong in our country and they got Desmond to, to stand on top of a mountain somewhere overlooking the valleys of our of our country. And he stood there and and he said these words, all we need to do is believe. It was the most powerful depiction of faith. So he looks over creation and it brings into mind Psalm 121, where does my help come from in my mm. state of helplessness? And we did Psalm 121 a couple of weeks ago. Help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So yes, the moment of dying is a profound moment of faith. Uh, uh, a longing for a, de a deepening sense of who God is to us. And I, I say to myself and I say to others, maybe that's where we should start living our lives. And once we say, what is it that I need to know right at the point of death? Even though I may not be dying at this moment, then look back. It, it, it seems to be that's what Jesus did with Martha. Your brother's died now. Yeah. But you saw him dying. What was, what was in your mind? Jesus should have been present here and then this wouldn't have happened. Well, who is this Jesus that you want to be present here? Jesus himself had to identify himself and say, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, now do you believe this? Even when death happens. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting um, that he then had such a, a profound moment when Mary was weeping. Yeah. And it was only after that that the miracle then occurs, which, I mean, in my in my own understanding, I, I just relate those two as being the, the link or at least the, the last straw that that caused him to then perform the miracle. Do you have any thoughts about, about that? That he, he when he saw Mary's tears. Yeah. OK. So in other words. The, the the gift and the power of tears are a serious motivation to that registers the deep emotional helplessness and powerlessness within us 
that moves Jesus to realize just what death does to people. When mm. somebody dies and is taken away, Jesus feels with us the grief of the loss. And he himself, in other words, is it possible for us to say that we serve a God who is not unmoved by our emotions? The God that is willing, able, and does weep with us. And we need to weep, so does he weep with us? I recently, we were on a retreat at, at, with the clergy and we were reading Alan Busak's book, uh, Alan, Alan book called Dead to Hope. And mm -hmm. He said something incredible about um, the Khoisan faith. He said the Khoisans believed in God and they, and they theolo theologized it in this way. He says, they believed in God with the wounded knee. This is warrior God fighting for them. But nobody goes into battle without coming away with wounds. Mm. And for them, the God that relates to their, their struggle is the God with the wounded knee. Now, can you imagine what powerful imagery that gives to a person himself has been injured in the battles of life? That if there are no wounds reflected in the, in the God whom they serve, how can he relate to the wounds that they experience? So Jesus is wounded with the wounded. Jesus weeps with those who weep. And... Um, more, more so that would be demonstrated in the crucifixion. But we recognize all of this when we read the passage from Isaiah, which will be read on Good Friday, 53. Um, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised mm -hmm. for our iniquities. He bore the stripes that we deserved but it's by his wounds that we are healed. So yes, God is moved to tears, but not tears of hopelessness, tears of solidarity. Tears, he, he, that's, that's why he is, he is the one who in, envelops what our humanity is. So the incarnation is very real in this passage. Um, but you know, when you weep with somebody who's weeping, the kind of courage they receive that they're not alone. The kind of courage they receive because the message of tears is far more than words. And so Jesus walks the whole route with us. Yeah. And because he does, we can come to the place of where it says there, and 
the, the, there was consolation, the power of consolation that came from others who were weeping with them, but also the hope that resurrection will happen. And um, in fact, it's very interesting. When I was still a teenager, we used to have Bible quizzes uh, amongst yeah. our, ourselves as cousins, and they would ask the question, what is the shortest text in the Bible? And John 11.35 is the shortest text in the Bible, but one of the most profound um, messages of solidarity that God Jesus. has with us. Yeah, Jesus wept. Yeah. And in in closing, I I see there's a there's a response to the word that you've added here, which I, I think is 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 important during this time, and to know that we we are not alone in this, even though we were isolated in our own homes. Um, would you like to lead us through that, Father? What word is that? The the um... The prayer? The we, yeah, the we stand to proclaim that. Yeah, that, that was um, a way of confessing our faith in response to the message. Mm. And um, uh, when the way, the way we were doing it in church wasn't as I imagined it, but it's every one of us saying together with the standing up, we stand to proclaim that. We believe and trust in one God, creator, redeemer, life given, giver, even in the dark valley of the coronavirus. Amen. And the dark valley at that stage when I was writing, we were dealing with Psalm 23. Uh, mm. Just to bring it more home, because that is what we were going through. So yeah, that was... Um, capturing um, the universal truth of our the affirmation of our faith. We believe and trust in one God, creator, yeah. redeemer, life yeah. giver, in the context we are going through. Yeah. And, and also... Powerful yeah. words right yeah. now. Yeah. And it's also a way that we are in... When we, when we, when we uh, do this is to say, we are doing this together. I'm not on my own standing against the situation. We are in it together, and God is in it with us. Are there any other prayer themes you can highlight maybe for, for the week going forward? Yeah. You know, um, the more and more I think about it, the more and more that I think about are the people who are really on the vanguard of all of this. The nurses and the doctors yeah. and uh, the enormous strain they must feel the anticipation of perhaps meeting their very first uh, client that may be suspected as having the virus and their own sense of mortalness, their own mortality, mm -hmm. uh, and listening to what's going on. So we must pray for our nurses. We must pray for our doctors. We must pray for the families. You know, we're hearing about deaths. But we don't actually see families. And just one thing this morning that got my attention was that um, 
families may not actually be able to even see their loved ones being buried as a result of this virus. We were supposed to have a funeral on Saturday. With all the restrictions, the family, I mean, impacted their sense of grief. And they had to make very serious decisions, even though the the person's passing wasn't as a result of coronavirus, but it's in the era of coronavirus. So the regulations impact how they will bury her and perhaps when they will bury her. And so I could hear the pain in the husband's voice and in the uncertainties about having to make decisions. So we must pray for those who grieve and mourn, especially those whose family members died as a result of coronavirus. Um, so the mourning families who may not be able to even bury their loved ones. Um, I would also like to pray uh, very seriously for young people that this is not a time we need invincibility. Mm. We need solidarity. And even though young people um, may feel as if they're not going to be affected by it or infected by it, they have a role to play that can help lessen the impact of this pandemic. And so for young people to be very much more responsible because worldwide it's being said it's affecting the older folk in our communities. And uh, so we must pray for young people and pray for their vigilance um, through this time. One of the other prayers that I did write down or, or record from another source is how does God continue to vitalize the church by his spirit when we cannot even meet together in one place for worship? So we must continue praying for the spirit to vitalize our communities and maybe Romans is important here. Just the idea that they were separated in another context from the major body of the church. That mm -hmm. even in our separatedness, we still have a sense of oneness. So we've got to pray that the church membership is going to continue to be open to the spirit of, the, of God, keeping us together and, and keeping us vitalized for mission and ministry. So that would be the other area of prayer that I would uh, want to encourage as a theme. Awesome. And then I think just in conclusion, if you can take us through the prayer at the time of COVID-19. Are you going to pray it with me? Um, I think it would be best if you do it on your side because <laughs> there's a delay in there. <laughs> okay. Let us pray. Author of life, healer of the nations. Grant us courage to face our trial. Give us wisdom to find relief. Give us faith to be responsible. And grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Rodney, for your time. And we will be in everybody's ears on Wednesday again.
Thank you very much, um, Lindsay, for your professionalism and also for the way in which you've engaged. You, your engagement has got me to uh, realize I've got to be more prepared on different levels because you do throw <laughs> curveballs. <laughs> but I, I hope that people will find value that uh, as we as we try and tease our way through the liturgy and scriptures and I, I hope that with you um, also allowing some of the hymn tunes to play in the backgrounds or some points of this this podcast people will recognize a sense of 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 connectedness to one another uh, perhaps if um, you come to church at 7.30, then you may want to do this service with your family at 7.30, or if you come to the 9.30 service, you can practice that and be uh, around um, a table at home doing the communion. I want to encourage you to pray either of the prayers as well for spiritual communion, um, but it would be theologically wrong for you to put bread and wine there because that's not what this is about. This is far more deeper than all of that. And I certainly want to, Lindsay, if you if you permit me, to say that uh, the words of commission right at the end, go now and walk in the light of Christ, trust in the one who is resurrection and life, stand firm before the forces of death, and speak words of life. And may God raise you up and give life to your bodies. May Christ Jesus dwell in you in righteousness, and may the Holy Spirit be the life in your every breath.